Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick and Ramsey Unleashed! Broadcasting from Edinburgh, Scotland, across the globe. You're listening to Hattrick and Ramsey Unleashed, the people's podcast. Here to rock the podcast world. That's right. It's the Sutherland here, as you might have been able to tell from my voice. The Ramsey is working his butt off, I believe. It's the Edinburgh Festival back in Scotland. That's the busiest time of the year for him as he uh, runs his company, Edinburgh Dusters, um, working almost all the hours God sends, really just cleaning up, scrubbing, clearing rubbish, doing what he does best. Absolutely fantastic stuff. However, it means he's very, very busy, so I thought that I would take the controls of the podcast juggernaut that is Hattrick and Ramjen Leashed just for one more podcast. I'm actually broadcasting to you from Mexico. Not because I've had to run from the tax authorities or because the BBC censorship people have uh, sent the MI5 after me, but I'm actually away with work at the moment. I've been in Puerto Vallarta, that's over in the west side of Mexico, and at the moment I am recording this in Cancun, more on the east side of Mexico. In fact, that's one thing I was thinking about. I travel an awful lot with work, so as part of the podcast series, I thought it might make sense just to mention some of the places that I go to, in case people are planning to either escape the tax authorities or perhaps just go on holiday. So three days ago we flew into Puerto Vallarta from London, Flight time was about 11 hours, so quite a long way, really. Quite an expensive destination, but really nice, actually. Uh, Less of a beach resort, I suppose, than Cancun, but there's lots to do. Uh, The town centre of Puerto Vallarta, really, really popular. Lots of the uh, bars and clubs and restaurants that are popular with Americans are there, like Senor Frogs, Uh, stuff like that. Not exactly classy, but, you know... A lot of fun. Also beautiful marinas, and up to the north of Puerto Vallarta itself, there's a couple of small towns where there are excellent beaches, little villages really, full of hippies, probably smoking what you shouldn't be smoking, but uh, hey-ho, that's life up in the uh, west side of Mexico. No, I'd really, really recommend it actually, Puerto Vallarta, very good. But yesterday we travelled through Mexico City, um, positioning to Cancun, uh, Mexico City, a huge place. You come in on the airport, and the airport's quite near the middle of the city, really. But as you're flying in, you seem to be flying over city for literally tens and tens of miles. Absolutely huge place, very high up in the mountains, uh, over 7,000 feet. Uh, but it was clear day yesterday, and we got a terrific view as we came in. So now, as I said, I'm in Cancun, probably much more familiar to some listeners, and if you're in America, very familiar, really, because... It's very popular with Americans. Uh, Much like the Mediterranean is for Europe, Cancun is uh, only two or three hours from many American cities, and it gets people the chance to get away, get down to a beach, and enjoy a bit of fun. Nice place. Um, As I said, probably more expensive than Puerto Vallarta, actually, but you do have this amazing turquoise golden sea and long beaches, and uh, a great place to go. Anyway, on with the podcast. I was just thinking that podcasts really are the way ahead, really. I can record it anywhere where I am in the world, and you can download them and listen to them when it suits you. You can. Uh, I'm hoping to do podcasts of about 25 to 30 minutes. I think that's probably uh, 
about the length of time before you get utterly bored of listening to me. And also, it's about the length of the one show. So if your partner listens to the one show, uh, it's perfect. You can just put your headphones on and uh, let them listen to it. If there are viewers who uh, aren't familiar with the one show, it's the BBC, that's the Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation, which is an extreme left-wing broadcasting organisation in the United Kingdom. And every evening they put on the most boring show known to man, called The One Show. And they just get some non-entity presenters to talk banal rubbish. I mean, it, it, it is... I mean, it'd be like they'll have a 20-minute article about what's the oldest thing in your wardrobe. I mean, this is prime time BBC viewing. I always think The One Show probably relates to the IQ of the average listener or maybe the fact that there's one viewer who actually likes it. Whatever the reason it's called The One Show, it seems to be enormously popular and uh, really hasn't been axed yet. Also, I've been listening... I listen to a lot of radio. I love radio. I'm always very, very busy. I'm either working in the garden or working on the car or doing DIY. So I haven't really got time to watch the the television. Um, So I listen to a lot of radio, and I used to listen to Radio 5 an awful lot, and it, it wasn't too bad. Uh, it's got sport on it as well. I, I, I can't stand sport at all. I don't, don't like any sport. So um, that, that used to annoy me because you'd be listening to a nice political debate and then they'd break in with some news about the, the golf or something, which I, I, I just couldn't, couldn't care less about, really. But otherwise, it was quite good. They had a few decent presenters. Uh, Peter Allen was always very good. Uh, he used to do the afternoon show. And uh, I, used to, I didn't used to like Richard Bacon, but he's gone now, and now, you know, come back, Richard, all is forgiven, because right now Radio 5 is, I mean, if it's got five listeners, I'd be surprised, because it's so boring, honestly, it's so dull, 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 dull central, horrendous. Um, the, I don't know what's happened, whether the PC police have got hold of it, but they don't seem to have any people with any views on, you can't say anything on the station, and that's why I think podcasts are doing better, to be honest. I don't know why Peter Allen's still there, really, because uh, he was quite good. He used to do the afternoon drive show, and now he's in the morning show with a bunch of sort of really bland presenters just talking about absolutely nothing. So I don't really know why he sticks around. He should, he should get out of there and uh, stop podcasting or even join LBC. After I gave up Radio 5, I started LBC. It used to, I think it used to be the London Broadcasting Company, but now they're branding themselves as leading Britain's conversation. The best thing about LBC is no sport, sport-free, which great. I don't want to listen to all that rubbish, you know, uh, about football results. Oh, no, the football season's just started. That is 10 months of my life I'll never get back. Oh, my goodness, how boring is that? Absolutely appalling. But at least LBC does allow the presenters to have a viewpoint. But I think in recent um, months, it's getting more bland. I've started even calling it the lefty broadcasting company, LBC, because... Some of their presenters, Sheila Fogarty and James O'Brien, and even Tom Swarbrick, um, actually quite a good, uh, was the news correspondent, I think, for Global, which is the company that owns LBC, seems to have become so safe, so lefty, you know, PC, rubbish. Um, at least you've still got Nick Ferrari, he's pretty good, uh, Ian Dale, excellent, and uh, recently I've been doing early mornings at work, so I'm listening to Steve Allen. And uh, he does the graveyard shift from 4 a.m. till 6.30 a.m., I think. And uh, he's hilarious. But he doesn't allow callers to ring in, which probably makes sense, because if you're up and about at 4 a.m., it probably means that you're 
um, you're an alcoholic or you're just sort of roaming around the streets drunk or on drugs or something. So it probably makes sense he doesn't let people ring in, to be honest. But he just goes into a monologue and he just slates people. It's hilarious. This morning he was talking about Sarah Harding from uh, Girls Aloud, I think. And it, oh, he's cutting, he's kind of cruel, but my goodness, he's funny. He really is funny. They used to have um, a broadcaster called Julia Hartley Brewer. She did the afternoon slot between one and three, and that was excellent. But um, they poached from Radio 5 Live Sheila Fogarty, and she's, she's ruined it. Absolutely ruined it. It used to be great. You know, Julia would be, she's more sort of, I suppose, uh, a right of centre uh, broadcaster, but very independent minded indeed. And now Sheila Fogarty's there, and she's fresh in from Radio 5, uh, the BBC programme. And oh, they need to ship her out ASAP. Seriously, she's so dull. I turn it off immediately. She comes on. It's all about human um, interest stories. And you get people, the average call would be something like this. Hello, Sheila, I've, I've rung in. For me personally, it's literally about the issues. For me personally, literally, I really, really want to talk about the issue at hand, and you're, the issue at hand is what we're talking about here. And she goes, oh, thanks for that. That was a great call. Now on to our next call. Hello, my name's Gary, and um, for me personally, it's literally really, really about the issue at hand, and I don't think the last call I really approached the issue at all. And what the issue is, is that we've got to deal with the issue. Thank you, caller. And these people, they ring in and they, honestly, they take your time and they just say nothing, nothing at all. And Sheila Fogarty provides absolutely nothing to the debate to try and stir it up a bit. And uh, honestly, it's Snooze Central. Honestly, we're taking the express train to Snooze Central with Sheila Fogarty. So she should go ASAP. Uh, Nick Ferrari, pretty good in the morning, though he's so obviously uh, mates with Boris Johnson. And uh, the Conservatives, uh, he certainly wears his uh, conservative or right-wing badge with pride. Um, but he is utterly um, counted at 10 o'clock in the morning by James O'Brien, who seems to be kind of a communist. Uh, he, I mean, he really is student politics, that guy, honestly. He won't let anyone talk. He is just pro-union, pro-public sector. And, it, of course, he got a job on Newsnight, doesn't he? He does the Friday night on Newsnight, I think, sometimes, which probably... Uh, I mean, Friday night's the night where no one, no one, no one's watching. Obviously, they're acting other things. Um, uh, yeah, he does that, I and mean, that's a big surprise, isn't he? He's, his LBC show is like an audition to be as left wing as possible and get a job at the BBC. And guess what? It actually worked. It actually worked. That's what happened. But still, I think LBC is better than uh, the BBC, and I, I, I don't. Um, I, I never watch the BBC now or li listen to it on the radio. Anyway, it's just. Absolutely dire. It really is absolutely dire. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that's that, really. So I think podcasting is the way ahead. Um, you can download it whenever you like. If you don't like it, you just delete it. If you do like it, you keep listening to it. So it's fantastic. Superb for free speech. Enjoying the show? Tell us about it. Send us your feedback, suggestions, or thoughts to hattrickandramsey at gmail.com. <laughs> This show is brought to you by EdinburghDusters.com and IdeasGoingLive.com. Sup, it's your boy Relevision, host of Five Mics Radio, Fridays at 11.30, live from New York. Shout out to the Hattrick and Ramsey podcast. Labour Party update. Well, you might know if you listened to the last podcast that I've been following the Labour Party with a sort of grim fascination over the last few weeks and months since their 
astonishing defeat, uh, grasping defeat from the jaws of victory on May the 7th uh, this year with the dire, dire Ed Miliband. The, the party just seems to have imploded. I mean, it, they actually thought they could have won in May uh, this this year in the UK general election. And now I don't think anyone thinks that they would, I mean, they wouldn't be able to win a bingo at the, the local village hall. They, they're absolutely hopeless. The party has gone from, well, it seems to be going from centre-left to left to far-left to loony-left and very shortly exit the political arena stage-left. Absolutely extraordinary. This Labour leader, leadership um, election has been branded the longest suicide vote in history. And it, it, it really is. I, it, it's a laughing stock. I mean, there's no opposition in the UK at the moment. No opposition to the Tory party whatsoever. They, they, they can do what they want. They can close down the BBC. Well, that's probably a good thing, actually. They can uh, they bring in any laws they want, and there's no opposition because they're infighting between themselves, and no one takes them seriously. However, last week I uh, decided to go along and... Uh, do a little bit of rubbernecking at this uh, slow motion political car crash that is Labour Party. It wasn't actually the leadership debate I went to, but went to the Labour mayoral hustings. Uh, there was an event on in uh, actually the Royal Geographical Society, which is on Kensington Gore in London. Really lovely building, actually. And I did geography at university, so it was nice to. To, to go there and uh, look at this lovely building. A bit of a shame it was full of uh, Labour politicians, but, you know, we'll overlook that. Um, and, uh, yeah, the list of candidates that they had, it was, it was a hustings, and the last one, I think, run by the London Evening Standard, where the, uh, the people who want to be the candidate for the Labour candidate for Mayor of London were um, sort of having a final go, really, to persuade people to vote for them. And the list of people that were there, I've got a little list here, it was uh, Karl Marx, Vladimir Ilyich Lenin, Vladimir Putin, Joseph Stalin, Fidel Castro... Hang on a minute. No, no, that, that was the wrong list, sorry. Um, that, was, that was last time. No, here we are, that's right. Uh, the mayoral candidates for the Labour Party are Diane Abbott, Tessa Jowell, Sadiq Khan, David Lammy... Gareth Thomas and Christian Wolmar. I'd heard of a couple of these because I'm a, I'm a huge fan, as you may know, of Andrew Neil and his show This Week, a great political show. I, again, I'll say it again, the only reason to pay the BBC licence fee is Andrew Neil. Without that guy, seriously, I mean, you, you, you might as well not bother. Seriously, waste of time, total waste of time, nothing, no, no debate, but Andrew Neil saves the whole organisation. Um, so I had heard of Diane Abbott because he's on his show, as I said, and she was, I mean, why is she there? Why is she even an MP? Who elected her? She had nothing to say, nothing to say at all. It was, uh, I, uh, it, I, I mean, I've got nothing to say about it because she said nothing to me. So uh, that, that's about it. Just, just nothing at all. Um, the next person that spoke, I think it was alphabetical the way that they did it, was um, Tessa Jowell. Slightly more impressive, but had a terrible opening pitch. Really, really awful. I mean, if you're a experienced politician looking to be the Mayor of London, you think you might have rehearsed sort of a one-minute intro saying who you are and what you believe in and how you came to have the political beliefs that you did, but she, she had nothing. She just mumbled away the whole time. Mind you, she is quite extraordinary, uh, Tessa Jowell. She was... Well, I mean, she was credited with the being the Olympics minister, of course, um, and she seems to wear this as a badge of pride. But 
I mean, we, the London Olympics, anyone with a, a memory longer than a goldfish will remember that it went over budget by about £12 billion. So she's got a real eagle eye for the finances here, hasn't she? Also famously, Tessa Jowell married to David Mills. Um, he was a lawyer, I think, who acted for Silvio Berlusconi, that upstanding Italian uh, uh, leader, uh, and he was faced allegations for money laundering and tax fraud, really. Um, a lovely lady. I mean, really, really lovely. You know, mixing with the, the highest uh, people of highest morals you could possibly believe in. In fact, I think they split up when these allegations uh, occurred. Um, the first political um, senior politician to split up to spend more time with her career. Unbelievable. And she became Olympics minister, and now she wants to be the mayor, this woman. I mean, really? Seriously? Well, whatever. She's standing. Can't say her winning, though. And the next one, Sadiq Khan. He was a former Shadow Secretary of State for Justice and uh, Lord Chancellor in the last Parliament. Actually, not a guy that I liked at all. I have to say, I, I thought he came over really sleazy on the television. Didn't, didn't like him at all. Um, but I have to say, in, in person compared to the others, of course, um, actually quite Im quite impressive. Um, probably w one of the strongest candidates there, to be honest. Um, the, the next candidate, David Lammy, his name was, a universities minister. And, I mean, I, I will never forget him appearing on uh, Mastermind, which is a sort of uh, a quiz show, really, uh, in the UK. And I think he got the lowest score in history on, on Mastermind, Celebrity Mastermind, it was called. So, obviously, a, a great mind there, uh, David Lammy. But actually, very personable, great sense of humour. So, uh, I should maybe overlook that. The next guy seemed to have come to the wrong meeting. He was called Gareth Thomas. And, I mean, he was more to the right of... Um, just about anyone anyone there. I mean, probably more to the right of someone like Ian Duncan Smith. Like he came to the wrong meeting. Nobody cheered for him. He wanted, he was pro Heathrow. Um, he, he wanted to lower corporation tax. I think he'd just come to the wrong meeting. It was absolutely bizarre. How, what, why was he there? Also, you know, looked a bit odd and uh, incredibly forgettable. I mean, just honestly, uh, so, so bland. Um, the last guy, a bit more interesting, the only guy who wasn't a politician, called Christian Walmer, um, a journalist I think he is, but he was quite funny, he looked kind of like an eccentric, I mean you could just imagine him hopping into his gee whiz in his open-toed sandals going off to have a tofu burger, um, he had those little glasses that these lefties wear, and the, the jacket with the little things on the elbow, I mean classic, classic lefty, but spoke very well, I have to say, and was the only one who was really anti-expansion at Heathrow. Um, quite liked him, actually. I didn't think I would. Um, but he, he, was, he won't win, of course, because um, he hasn't got the money behind him of the other ones. And Khan and Jal will use all kinds of dirty tricks to, to make sure that they get on top of the bill. Diane Abbott, she can't be London, honestly. She's nothing to say. But, uh, yeah, this Christian Warmer guy, the journalist, um, anti-Heathrow. And... Having been spent a lot of time in London over the last few months, why would you be pro Heathrow? It's ridiculous. These aeroplanes, they fly over the centre of London every hour of every day. Well, a few hours overnight, they stop. Making noise, belching out pollution. Um, the air quality in London is, and it is appalling. If, if you, 
I, I can't imagine you living beyond 70, honestly, if you live in London. The, the air, you can just see the particulates and the pollution. Yet this other guy, um, this uh, Gareth Thomas, wanted to expand it. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want that? Why would you want noise to come over millions of people spewing out fumes over the middle of one of the biggest cities in the world? Absolutely extraordinary. And the, the worry is that these guys, well, worry, and it's not a worry for me, it's a worry for them, of course, is that they've got to take on Zach Goldsmith, who's probably going to win the Tory uh, uh, mayoral candidacy. It's either him or Sol Campbell. There's a few other people as well, but I've, I've really never heard of them. They are even more non-entities than the Labour people. So basically it's going to be Zach Goldsmith, isn't it? He's anti-throw too, so uh, he's obviously going to win. Because why would anyone vote to have aeroplanes flying over your head a thousand feet above you, belching out fumes and noise all day? It's absolutely crazy. So, um, yeah, so it was a shoe in is Zach Gilles of the Tories. But, um, yeah, this guy, Chris Moore, quite interesting, really. Um, I, I, I mean, they're not going to win. I mean, it, I, we just went there for, for a giggle, really. Uh, it, it's not going to happen. Uh, none of them are up to the job, I would say. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trust them to... To, to plant my uh, my window boxes or rearrange my hanging baskets, let alone run run London. It's absolutely absolutely ridiculous that they, that they might want to do that. But it was a fun night out. I enjoyed it. It was good to go and uh, meet the people. You get a very different sense, you know, when you see them face to face as you do when they come over the telly. So that was great. Of course, while all this was going on, the La- Labour leadership. I can't. Say, I never even say Labour leadership. I don't know why. It just never comes out right. Uh, anyway, the leadership um, challenge is going on. Um, uh, I can Liz Kendall is she still in it? She's the woman, Liz uh, Liz woman, the, the, the Kendall woman, uh, the one I think I described as a glass of water. Uh, Liz, who she Kendall, I think she's still in it. Although she's got like 0.2 percent of the vote or something. Uh, I, I mean, she might as well just drop out. Really, it, it's all over for her, isn't it? Uh, Yvette's... Uh, Cooper or Yvette Balls, I think she's still in it. Um, but again, won't say anything controversial or have any real opinions on anything. Uh, Andy Burnham is still in it, I believe. Um, I think he's second, actually. But he's, he's going more and more to the left. It's hilarious. They're just leaning over to the left. They, they just, they're just going to fall over and collapse in a, a heap to the left. Um, but the guy, I think YouGov, the, one of the pollsters, uh, said this morning that he is now 53%. The, the guy, I think his name was Peter Kellner from YouGov, he said there's no way this guy can't win. He is going to win. Um, Alistair Campbell was calling for the, the whole leadership debate to be, uh, leadership contest to be called off because he was going to win. It's just amazing, absolutely amazing what's going on there. Uh, so I think he's pretty much a shoe-in. Uh, I think the contest is over. So now, that's up to Labour now to decide what they're going to do about it. Because although he's popular with the Labour Party, I mean, there's a good chance he's going to be completely unelectable, I would suggest. Although, if the economy does take a bit of a downfall, then uh, uh, maybe he will be Prime Minister, which is just extraordinary, really. But the Labour Party, you, 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 you just, you can't make it up. You just can't make it up. And it's a cliche, but seriously, they put this guy forward almost as a joke candidate to widen the debate, and it turns out that he's going to win the election. Absolutely extraordinary stuff. from another dream I tried and I tried for the last time 
Daddy don't like me this time I was too broke for the one before The one before her was a closed door I closed my eyes every month or so Someone's gotta go I'm waking myself from another dream Tell us about it. Send us your feedback, suggestions, or thoughts to Hattrick and Ramsey at gmail.com. <laughs> this show is brought to you by EdinburghDusters.com and IdeasGoingLive.com. Sup, it's your boy Relevision, host of Five Mics Radio, Fridays at 11.30, live from New York. Shout out to the Hattrick and Ramsey podcast. So what else has been going on in the news this week? Well, there's not a lot of news at the moment. The politicians are all on holiday, which means that uh, the whole country is actually running better um, when they're not there, which makes you wonder, really, doesn't it? But um, a lot of stuff in the news recently, to be fair. The, all the paedophiles, everyone seems to be a paedophile these days, don't they? I mean, they may as well just ask who isn't a paedophile and get them to come forward and then just throw the rest in jail. But um, all the all these MPs or MP defiles, uh, lords, Lord Janner going to court, but not going to court because he forgot because he's got Alzheimer's. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, I'm not interested in it to be honest. Uh, it's it's seriously boring. The whole thing is just nonsense as well, isn't it? Because they they obviously know. 
people know who's doing this stuff. There's people alive now who are doing this stuff. So apparently people who were in Gordon Brown's government, somebody was saying, was a, an MP-defile. And uh, one of uh, Thatcher's aides was also an MP-defile. So they know what's going on. So what do they then do? They go and they start bothering on about Jimmy Savile. They go bothering on about Lord Janet, who's not fit to stand trial. They go bothering on about Leon Britton. Well, hey, guess what, guys? Why don't you go and get the guys that are doing this stuff now? That's right, do it now. Don't wait till they're dead or they're too loopy to go to court. Get them now. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that. It's depressing and actually it's it's boring and, and sad, really. But the other thing in the news is the jungle at uh, Calais, they're calling it. Am I allowed to call it jungle? I, I don't know. The BBC uh, were getting into a terrible tiz because one of their um, reporters called it the jungle and it's meant to be incredibly offensive um, to the, the migrants who are stuck there. Of course, this is what the migrants call it themselves. They call it the jungle. So we're only calling it what, or well, they were only calling it what they call it themselves. And then the Prime Minister gets involved and calls them a swarm of migrants. And again, the BBC just go apoplectic about this. Oh, you can't say that, you can't say that. Hey, guess what? Let's just stop talking about what to call it and you know, the names that we use, jungles, swarms, whatever. Why don't we sort this shit out? Honestly, it's absolutely ridiculous. Nobody will do anything. We've got people just running through the tunnel getting hit by trains or hanging on the axles of lorries coming over here because they know when they get here, they can stay. None of them go home. They come here illegally and they get to stay. Now, I I have sympathy on a personal level with them. Of course I do. And they're human beings. They're, some of them will be desperate, but I think most of them are just economic migrants. They all seem to be male. You don't see any women, do you? If you're fleeing persecution, do you leave your wife and family behind? I don't think so. You'd take them with you, wouldn't you? I think I probably would. So I think mainly they're economic migrants, and they know once they get out through the tunnel that they've made it, they're here. Well, that's not fair. Because there's lots of people who'd love to come to the UK, and they apply through the correct channels, and a lot of them get turned down. Well, that's not fair. If you can then just come through the tunnel, claim asylum, what about all the poor people who try to do it the right way, who don't make it because immigration's on the increase... Um, they won't be allowed to come because the numbers are too high, because these guys have just run through the tunnel. Absolutely extraordinary. Anyway, no one seems to know what on earth to do about it. So it, it, it just seems to have gone into a sense of crisis. So it's like paralysis. No one will make a decision. But I, what I want to know is, what about the international aid budget? This is, well, I mean, it's a ridiculous, the international aid budget to start with. It's £11.7 billion. Pounds. Billion, not million, billion pounds. It's 0.7% of GDP has to go on foreign aid. I mean, it's it, it's ridiculous to have a percentage of your GDP to go on foreign aid. Surely it depends on need, doesn't it? I would have thought if anyone needs the money, then then they should have it. It's like having a, uh, I, I don't know, let's just say we'll have a, the government must spend 0.001% of GDP on tomato juice. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it's it's no more ridiculous than spending 0.7% on foreign aid, because it, 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 I mean, it's even less, I mean, at least with tomato juice, you're going to get tomato juice. With foreign aid, you don't know what you're doing. It mainly just goes to a, a load of quangos run by ex-politicians who just siphon off a good proportion of money and stick it in their back pockets, as far as I can tell. Uh, at least with tomato juice, I mean, you'd be bored of it. There'd be a lot of tomato juice, but you'd know where the money went. The foreign aid budget 
honestly, it, it can go anywhere. You, you think these, these these guys, these politicians and these civil servants over in the developing world, I mean, do you think they're driving Mercedes S-classes, you know, from from their, their own money? Of course they're not. It's coming from us, isn't it? It's absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, I am coming off the, the point slightly. Um, but, well, we it should be used for, I would say, natural disasters. If there's somewhere in the world that's had a natural disaster, fine. I mean, spend more than 0.7% GDP if you need to. If if the government came to me and said, oh, we need to double the foreign aid budget this year because there's been a terrible disaster uh, at some point, well, I'd probably say, fine. If it's 20 billion, if you're actually going to spend it on something useful, go for it. It's not the numbers. It's the fact that it's completely unaccountable. And then when a disaster does happen, what happens? Well, the Disasters Emergency Committee springs into use, which is just a whole... Oh, it's just a, a, you know, the charity gravy train, I call it. They just come on with these videos, getting people to give money, money, money for um, some disaster relief appeal. Um, well, hang on a minute. What was that $11.7 billion that we all paid in our taxes for then? Actually, that's what that was for. Does that not make more sense? Spend it if you need to spend it. Otherwise, don't bother. Anyway, I'm going off topic. I think we should use the foreign aid budget to create a... A sort of camp to put all the migrants in. I don't know where that would be. I mean, there's a few questions need to be answered. But put it in one of the countries with a lot of space and not much money. Greece, something like that. They're a bit broke. They could probably do with the cash. So let's set up an island in Greece or uh, an area on the mainland of Greece. Put a huge fence around it so they can't get out. But we look after them. We give them accommodation, food, and... Um, sanitary, uh, you know, somewhere to wash and uh, uh, a safe place to be. And then we process them. We say, OK, you remain there until it's safe to go back home. And actually, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for that as long as we need to. If the EU, the useless EU, had any sense, they would have done this by now. So they all stay there. And it's not a prison. Say, any time you want to go back home, you can go. We'll fly you back home. But if you're going to stay within Europe, you have to stay in this camp where you'll be fed, you'll be looked after, and, you know, it'll be expensive, but I think we do have a duty to do that. Let's use some of this ridiculous foreign aid budget to pay for it and uh, look look after the people there. We can't have people running through the tunnel. And it's crazy. And nobody wants to arrest these people. They just want them to come to Britain. If the French could arrest them and the EU would then pay for them to go to this um, detention centre while they're waiting, processing for their asylum scenes, I think that would be fine. Then the incentive would be for all the countries to arrest the illegal migrants and send them to the central place. Then anyone with a genuine asylum claim can be dealt with and be given asylum in various countries around the EU, and those who are economic migrants must go home and apply to come across in the correct way. It's just crazy the situation we've got at the moment. It's a lack of leadership from the EU, I'm afraid. Nobody will take any responsibility whatsoever. And what annoys me is that the money's there. The international aid budget, it's there. The UK's got £11.7 billion a year, and it's spending, as far as I can tell, none of it on sorting out the migrant crisis. Well, to me, that's a completely legitimate use of the money. All the money seems to be tied up years in advance through these shady quangos. It's absolutely ridiculous. The solution is there, but nobody will take it. And if the EU cannot sort this out, then there is no point in the EU whatsoever. Anyway, that's my rant over. Have a fantastic week. I'll try and get some thoughts together to... Uh, 
make another one of these podcasts in the near future. In the meantime, thank you for listening to Hattrick and Ramsey Unleashed. (laughs) 